If you want to follow along, you can uh, fill in some blanks today. And since I decided to put some blanks in the bulletin, I thought I better have, a, have the answers up on the board for you so you can write them in. Today we're talking about our relationship with the lost. So this is a follow-up to the last couple of sermons about our relationship with the saints, which is another way of saying the saved. So we have two types of people in the world. You have the saints and you have the lost. The ones who are saved, the ones who are not. As we consider back to Romans 12:18, the passage that has inspired these, this series, uh, it says there, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. Everyone. We're supposed to have this good, whole, complete peace, a shalom relationship with everyone. And that includes the lost. Those who are not in Christ are destined to eternal destruction in hell. And that thought should be the thought that inspires us to want to reach out to them, to develop a relationship with as many as possible so that we can help them to know Christ Jesus and turn them on a new trajectory and that they might someday be with us in heaven. That should disturb us when we think about just the term, the lost. And so we want to develop this relationship, lead people to Jesus. This is the essence of what uh, should guide us as we think about the lost. And so I've got eight points here with uh, mostly eight verses and maybe a couple extra here and there. But first of all, we, we note that God loves the lost. And so we love the lost. If God does it, we should do it. In John chapter 3, verse number 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So and here is God's goal is to bring everybody to eternal life with him. God loves the world. He loves the lost so much that he gave his only son, his unique, one-of-a-kind son. So he did much for the lost. And that includes us. God loved us when we were helpless, ungodly sinners. This is a description of us. Helpless, ungodly sinners. He loved us when we were like that. So therefore, we should also love helpless, ungodly sinners. This language comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God, he demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So if we're talking about us and we're calling ourselves the saints, the sanctified, the saved, there's only one reason that that is true, and that's because God gave his son. He demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ungod, well, helpless, ungodly sinners. That's who we were, and Christ died for us. And if God did that for us, then we should do the same for others. God loved us when we were helpless, ungodly sinners, so we should help. So we should love helpless, ungodly sinners. And in so doing, perhaps we might be able to, as it says at the very end of verse 9, deliver them. We can point them in the right way to deliver them from the wrath of God. Number three. We are commanded to love our enemies. And doing so will help us, help make us perfect or mature. Now this thought comes from the words of Christ. And I want to read all of this. So it's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Jesus there says, You have heard... That it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you, do, are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, to me, this, this verse is always interesting to me, this passage, because I get to verse 48, and I'm like, what? How does 48 fit in with the rest of it? And just because of the context of what I'm talking about here with loving, uh, having the right attitude towards the lost, having the right relationship towards the lost, it seems to make more sense than it ever has. Because the call to be perfect is that your Heavenly Father is perfect, and it seems like that's the follow-up to all a list of things that God has said uh, Jesus has put forth as how we should live new and have a new mindset a little bit. You start with the old law, and then he says, says we're going to ratchet it up another notch, another degree. It's going to be even greater. So how does that fit in? And to me, it fits in very much with this context at the very end of the passage, which says, love your enemies. And that's how God demonstrates, we think about the previous passage, this is the way that we truly know God to the greatest degree, is because we know how much he loves us, that even when we were helpless, ungodly sinners, he sent his son to die for us. God, this is, that's God's kind of love. That's his kind of commitment. 
And it's something very hard for us to, to achieve. It's something very hard for us to even shoot for. We don't want to love our enemies. We certainly don't want to do anything good for our enemies. That's not natural. It's not the easy way to go. And we certainly wouldn't die for our enemies, which is what God did. So as we think about loving our enemies, and as we move towards that, now that we know Christ, we see that it is possible to love your enemies. Christ did that for us. Therefore, we should do the same for others. And as we start to get this mindset and we start growing and maturing, as we become more and more like we should be, that is what verse 48 is talking about. Therefore, you are to be perfect. You're to be complete, whole, mature. That word there is a word, the Greek is like teleos. It's the end the end of things. It's, and that's what you want to be towards. You want to be finished, complete. So this is probably a very important thing for us. As we think about our relationships with others, God is pointing towards the fact that for us to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, we need to be shooting towards loving others, loving our enemies, loving sinners. Loving those who are not like us. Loving those who might be persecuting us. We are commanded to love our enemies. And doing so is how we will be made perfect. So God loves the lost, so we love the lost. God, um, God loved us when we were helpless, ungodly sinners. So we should love helpless, ungodly sinners. And we are commanded to do this. We are commanded to love our enemies. And doing so will make us perfect and complete, mature. All right, on with number four then. We love our neighbor by doing good to everyone without prejudice. So all of this is, you see the key here is love, 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 love. The relationship that we're to have with the lost is one of love. And as you look at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 and, and on following there, it's a, a long section of scripture, but it starts with this, is that the, this lawyer comes to Jesus. He asks the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26 Jesus speaking here, he said to him, what's written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he wants to make sure he's doing everything right, that he can stand justified. So he asks, well, who is my neighbor? I want to make sure I'm getting this second part right. I've got to love my, say, my neighbor as myself. And so Jesus proceeds to tell him the story about the Good Samaritan that we're very, most of us are very familiar with. 
So the religious folks, they saw somebody in need and they were like, oh, I got to go on down to the city and do something important because I'm an important person. Somebody else can help this uh, dying man. So an enemy came along, somebody who is uh, uh, not a friend with the Jews, the Samaritan. They tend to not get along, but the Samaritan was the one who helped. The Samaritan was the one who was the neighbor. And so we're to be like the Samaritan. We are to help others. We are to love others. We're to do good to others. To anyone in need, without prejudice, we love everyone. That's the message of what God did for us. He loves everyone. For God so loved the world. So we love everyone. And we will love our neighbor by doing good to everyone without prejudice. Anyone who is one of God's creation, we will help. So here is our relationship. Now this is getting finally into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts instead of just the attitude and the right mindset towards the lost. This one puts in here the characteristic of we are going to do good to everyone. On to number five. We think about what we can do that is good for everyone. Well, we're called to go to the lost. We are called to enter into relationships with them and reach out to them. So we think about Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus speaking specifically uh, to his apostles and maybe a little bit more broadly to uh, some, some of the disciples that are with him and have been following him. But I think more to the apostles. He says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And we hear ringing in this because we know the rest of the story and we know God. We hear ringing in our ears that this call is also to us. If we want to say this is very directed towards the apostles, that's fine. But we all hear this call that the God cares for the lost. And Jesus has spent three years with these 12 apostles. Now it is down to 11. He has spent those, the three years with them, teaching them, preparing them, getting them ready. So that they could love the lost enough to go and do God's mission. To have the love of God to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. And to love the lost enough that they are willing to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I believe it's Mark that says words that a little bit go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go to the lost. Find them. Seek them out. The ones who are lost, the ones who need the message. You don't go to the saved. We come together, we're called together as the saved, but we're not going to each other. We're called together, we remember Jesus, and then we go out the rest of the week. We love the lost, and we show the lost how much we love them by seeking to teach them, introducing them to Christ Jesus, 
We are called to go. Let us go to them. Let us go to them. Let us develop a relationship with them. Number six. Here is the the example that Jesus gave of going to the lost. Jesus associated with sinners in order to save them. And we follow his example. This passage I looked at here was, this is the passage it was read as the scripture reading. Luke 19, 5 through 10. Right? Uh, as Jesus is about to go to the cross before is he making his way to Jerusalem. He's going through Jer- Jericho. And there's a guy who wants to see him. The wee little man, Zacchaeus, climbs up in the sycamore tree. Verse 5, when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was in the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, who is the they, if we pause here for a second? Who is the they? Well, it's those religious leaders who are the ones that dress up real nice and think they have all the answers and they stay away from all the people who act different from what they think they ought to be. And yes, this man, Zacchaeus, he was a sinner in need of a Savior. So Jesus went to him. I'm going to your house. The Pharisees, the scribes, they didn't like it. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The lost. Jesus came to save the lost. Those who have turned the wrong direction, they're heading towards eternal destruction. Jesus came to save them, and that was us. Helpless, ungodly sinners, God died for us. And God died for them. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus associated with sinners in order to save them, and we will follow his example. We are his disciples. Where he goes, we will go. Where he, where, what, wherever he steps, we will make the same steps. Whatever he did, we will do. Whatever Jesus said, we will say. And we will certainly have his attitude. If Jesus loved the lost, we will love the lost. Let us seek and save the lost. Jesus associated with sinners in order to save them, and so will we. Seven, we make it the goal of our relationships to save the lost. Same kind of thought here. The goal, hey, we're going to build relationships with the lost. 
We want to reach out to them. We want to associate with them. Jesus was going to have dinner at Zacchaeus' house. We will do similar things. We will have relationships with the lost, with the goal that Jesus had. It's the same goal then that Paul had. Paul followed the example of Christ, and we are going to follow the example of Paul, just as Paul followed the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. I love the thought at the very beginning and the thought at the very end. It ties it all together. And see if you think I've summarized this verse well when I say we make it the goal of our relationships to save the lost. For I am free from all men. I have made my... For though I am free from all men... Hey, we don't answer, we don't answer to men. We don't... We don't care what other men think, say, or do. We answer to God, right? We're free of men. We're, we're a slave to God. So let me read it again. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. And here we realize as we go about our day, whether we're dropping the kids off at preschool or whether we're um, dropping our kids off at high school because they don't have the driver's license yet, or whether we're coaching a soccer team or whether we're going to work and do whatever it is we do at work or whether, whatever it is. Whatever, wherever we go and whatever we do as we interact with people, we lose sight of the fact that the point of our relationships are to show them Christ and to speak to them the things of Christ, to win them to Christ, to save them from hell. We, we go through life and we're so distracted by things and by worries and by this and that from politics to what what just everything in life we've got to get our education and then we've got to make enough money so that we can have the right house and we got to we got to be involved in other people's business we think and stuff just all kinds of junk in this life and none of it matters it's all a distraction all that matters is that we know Christ Jesus and we lead somebody else to him that's all that God wants from us. He wants us to love Him and to live for Him and love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And God has loved us enough to share with us the truth and the knowledge of Him so that we can be saved. And He wants us to share that knowledge with somebody else. Paul had it figured out, didn't he? Paul might have been hungry at times. He might have been beaten at times and persecuted and struck down. He had all kinds of things against him. But he had this right. He had the love of God within him for the lost. 
I think he's one of the greatest men who's ever lived. So anything else we attain to, it's all junk. It doesn't matter unless we're reaching out to those who are lost. Eternal destruction awaits them. And I get so distracted. Let us make it the goal of our relationships to save the lost. Do we love them or not? We know God does. In our relationships that we build with the lost, we have to do this one thing. This is the only caution. This is it's like everything else. You just, you just throw everything else to the wind. It doesn't matter. You build this strong relationship with the lost, but there is a caution. And that's that we maintain the boundary in which we are influencing the lost and they're not influencing us. It's like when we think about Paul, he becomes all things to all men so that by all means he might win some. He'll do anything so long as he's the one who is influencing them and he's not being influenced by them to become more God, more ungodly, more helpless, more, more to sin. He will not do that. 1 Corinthians 15.33 speaks this very simple truth. Do not be con- deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You've got to be careful. Make it your goal to build these relationships with the lost, but don't get corrupted. Have a boundary. You better be wise. Another verse, John 17, verses 13 through 18. This is Jesus speaking to, uh, well, he's speaking to God. He's praying for his apostles. The twelve or the eleven, however you want to look at it, that he was getting ready to send in the world. Go ye therefore into all the world. So when he was praying before he went to the garden, went to when he was in the garden before he went to the cross, verse thirteen. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. He's talking about the apostles. Verse fourteen. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. So God calls us then, as he would call, as he called the apostles, he calls us, go into the world, share the truth, but keep yourself sanctified in the truth. Don't get taken up, don't get caught up in sin. You go out among the sinners, but don't become one of them. Invite them in to the fold of Christ. Teach them the right way. In our relationships with the lost, we maintain a boundary in which we influence them for good and they do not influence us for evil. To the saints today, I ask you, be a friend to the lost ones in this world. 
You are friends with lost ones. You can't keep from it. You can't go out of the world. That's the only way to not have friends who are lost. So be a friend to the lost ones. Love them like God loves them. And I challenge you this week, a little bit like uh, the, the guy, the, te- the one who had come to, to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him a question back. Well, what do you say about it? What do you think? And I ask you to, this week, just ask somebody, so what do, you, what do you think of Jesus? What do you say about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Enter into that conversation. Just open it up. If you care about the lost ones, it should be something we want to do. If you're not in Christ, I encourage you today to have faith in Him. Believe in Him with all your heart. He loves you like no other. Trust Him. Be immersed in Him today and live a life for Him, filled with the love of God. If you need to respond at all, you're welcome to come today as we stand together and sing this song of encouragement.